Good to see you today. If you have a bulletin, I want to encourage you to get out your sermon notes. And as always, I want to encourage you guys uh, to fill out notes. It always helps you remember if you jot things down. We welcome those who are joining us by way of live stream as well. A reminder, if you haven't heard, uh, Kevin Kibbins was in a very bad accident, very serious condition. Uh, they've been longtime members here at the church. Uh, Kevin is often out uh, working security, so many of you have seen him. But Kevin was in a real serious car accident this week, and they're really looking at a very long road to recovery. And so they haven't asked for anything, but we just want to kind of take up an offering, a love offering, just to kind of help them as they navigate forward. So in the back today and next week, there'll be a wooden box back there. And if you feel led to put something in that, obviously 100% will go to the Kibbins and just help them. So pray for them. Remember to lift them up in prayer as they're making decisions, as they're navigating forward through this situation. All right? I also want to just encourage everybody to be a part of the outreach team. How many of you love the Lord and want to be a part of outreach? Thank you so much. I think all of you. You know, back in the day, you used to be a part of outreach. You had to come to church, go out and make a visit. With all the technology, it really is amazing how simple outreach is. If you have a smartphone, whether it's something, an announcement, something, or a service that's sent to your phone, if you'll just hit that share down at the bottom, it just shoots it out. So if you're watching by way of stream, you can help by just one touch. Isn't it amazing? One touch of the finger, you can be a part of outreach. It really is amazing how simple it is to get technology out. So we're continuing our series on the Holy Spirit as Jesus said to the disciples, it's actually to your advantage that I go away. Again, God knew that there was an advantage in walking side by side with us, that God wanted to come and live inside of us. As we mentioned last week, there are many symbols in the Bible for the Holy Spirit. Five of those may be the most common, water, wind, oil, dove, fire. And so each of those symbols gives us some aspect of the Holy Spirit. And we could spend a service on each of those symbols, but they all give us, again, some aspect of the Holy Spirit, all right? The verse we've been using to kind of springboard off of is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, and let's read it together. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Now, I believe God has created us with a spirit, a soul, and a body. I believe our spirit is to connect with God. Our soul is kind of our control room. It's where we think, where we make decisions. Every day, your control room is deciding whether or not you're going to walk in the spirit are after the flesh. But we also have an earth suit, and our earth suit is wearing out. It came from dust, it's going back from dust, but while we're on earth, gotta have an earth suit. But again, I just wanna remind you, you can't take your earth suit to heaven. The Bible says flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So you don't get to take your earth suit, but one day God's gonna resurrect these earth suits and give us a spiritual body. Now some people, and by the way, in studying body, soul, and spirit, I get all kinds of different comments. I've read all kinds of opinions. How many of you know that my opinion, everybody has different opinions? How many of you find it amazing, all right? And so anyway, people 
people have given me ideas, given me other thoughts. I appreciate, I really appreciate all the input that you all have given me about your thoughts about body, soul, and spirit. And some people have said to me, well, they believe the soul and the spirit are actually just one. We have an inner man, an outer man. And there is sometimes it's hard to distinguish between soul and spirit. But let me give you a verse. You say, is there any verse that distinguishes soul and spirit? I always think about Hebrews 4.12. We went through the book of Hebrews. But Hebrews 4.12, the writer says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. So as we study the word of God, it literally penetrates into that inner man and separates soul and and spirit. I believe we all have a spirit. I believe we have a soul. Again, that control room of our life, we all have an earth suit that, again, is ultimately wearing out. So as I picture a believer, we invite God into our life. His spirit and our spirit become one spirit. So part of us is 100% complete. That part of you that God lives, because we know God is complete, that part of you is 100% already perfect. So I like to say 33% of you is 100% complete, 100% perfect. So if your spouse gets mad at you this week, just look at them and smile and say, honey, I'm 33% perfect. And they may look back at you and say, it's the other 66% that I'm having problems with. But anyway, we are a work in progress, but our spirit is 100% complete. That's why the Bible says we are justified and righteous in the sight of God. We have a right standing relationship with God, not based on our performance, but based on us applying the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus. So the soul is a work in progress. We use the word sanctification. That means the process of becoming more like Jesus. I just want to remind you, as long as you're alive in an earth suit, you are a work in progress. I want you to understand you're never ever gonna arrive on this side. So you're always a work in progress, and that again is the process of sanctification. Our body here is ultimately returning to dust. One day God's gonna raise up these bodies and glorify them and be reunited to our spirit. But again, we're three part, spirit, soul, and body, all right? So I like to picture a lost person obviously is separated from God. A lost person has a soul. They make decisions every day. They have an earth suit, and so they're, they're living in an earth suit just like we are. But I believe a lost person, their spirit, what we call a dead spirit, just means it's separated or disconnected from God because of sin. So again, when Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, he said, you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. He doesn't mean they were physically dead, but they were dead in the sense that they were separated from God. But God made them alive. That doesn't mean that they became more alive in the earth suit, but their spirit became alive. The spirit that was disconnected with God all of a sudden is connected with God, and the very life of God lives in every believer. All right? And so... Uh, when a person invites God into their life, as I picture it, his spirit comes into our spirit, and the Bible says they are one spirit. This, to me, is amazing. Because even though if you were to ask Christians, does God live in your life, we would say, well, yeah, of course he does. But we really, 
we really don't have that wow moment. But when you think back to the Old Covenant as we studied Hebrews, under the Old Covenant, God was always at a distance. Not because he didn't love man, but because of the sin problem. So even though he dwelt in the tabernacle and in the temple, still man was at a distance because of the sin problem. To think that God loves us so much that he wanted to come and not only walk beside us, but come and live inside of us because Jesus took care of the sin problem. I just want to tell you, if you're a believer, Believer, the sin has been taken care of and you have a right standing relationship with God. That really is amazing. It really is a miracle. And so I love how Paul says here, he was joined to the Lord is one spirit. And so I showed you this last week. We have Kai here. We'll say Kai is not a believer. His spirit is disconnected with God because of sin. But when Kai invites Christ into his life, and by the way, what is more correct to say to invite Jesus into our heart or into our soul, into our spirit, or invite the Holy Spirit? Which is more correct? Do we invite Jesus into our life or do we invite the Holy Spirit? Yes. Because if you have his spirit, you have him. So it's okay to say we're inviting Jesus into our life or inviting the spirit into our life because they literally are one and the same. So if Kai invites Jesus into his life, the sin problem has already been taken care of, Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to come and live in his spirit. Now, how many of you notice that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit looks like Jesus? How many of you notice that? All right. Now, whether you not you like this picture of Jesus, I'm not a big person on pictures of Jesus, but this is probably the closest I've seen of what is described in Revelation 1 when John saw him on the island of Patmos. All right. And so whether you like it or not, I do want you to know that the Holy Spirit looks exactly like Jesus because he is God, both God, the Father, God, the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Now, last week I put an eye up there, and people asked me afterwards, what was the eye? That was weird. What was the eye? I said, didn't I explain that? They said, no, you didn't explain that. And so the eye up here, I, I kind of put that in. I, I probably think too much when I'm doing the graphics, but I like to picture that as the eye of God. God sees us through the Spirit. God sees you in the spirit realm. He looks from the inside out. Now man judges us from the outside in. And sometimes we judge ourselves based on our earth suit wearing out. I know my soul has issues. And so sometimes we can beat ourselves up because we judge ourselves from the outside in. But God always looks from the inside out. That's why you have a right standing relationship with God, whether you're having a good day or a bad day. If you're a believer and the Spirit of God lives in you, you are always justified and righteous in the sight of God, not based on your performance, but based on the blood of Jesus. I want to tell you, you are somebody in the sight of God. So I want you to always know that God sees you through the Spirit, and that's how he looks at our life. And so there's a saying we've been doing every week, and they say you have to hear it 10 times in order to get it. This is four, all right? So anyway, let's say together, closer to God, I cannot be, for in the Spirit, I am as close as he. I want to tell you, you cannot be closer to God. If you're a believer, if the Holy Spirit of God lives in you, how could you get any closer to God? You know, I love when Paul says in Ephesians 1, we're seated in the heavenlies. I used to never understand that. How could we be seated in the heavenlies if my earth suit is on earth? Because again, our earth suit is on earth, but your spirit is one with God's spirit. That's why in the spirit realm, you are seated in the heavenlies. Isn't that kind of cool that we can communicate through our earth suit while we're on earth, but at the same time, our spirit can be communicating to God. 
And we want to worship God in spirit and in truth. And when our spirit gets connected to his spirit and your spirit gets connected to his spirit, we really are worshiping together in spirit. We could not be closer. I want to tell you, a brother or sister in Christ, we cannot be any more connected in the spirit realm. Even though we see things differently in the earth suit, our spirits are 100% connected. I love the, the course we used to sing when I grew up, we are one in the spirit. And it really is true that as believers, we really are one. As we mentioned, the Bible declares that we are justified when we invite God into our life, the Holy Spirit comes in. Paul says in Romans 5, we are justified. And, and the most simple way I could explain that is just as if I had never sinned. Isn't that amazing that God sees you justified just as if you had never sinned? He gives us his righteousness. We have a right standing relationship with God, not based on our performance, but based on the fact that we invite God into our life. Once you invite Christ into your life, he sees you through the spirit. That's why if you're having a good day or a bad day, you can still go into his presence because your relationship with God is not based on your performance. It's based on the blood being applied to your life. If you have Christ in your life 24-7, seven days a week, whether you have a good day or a bad day, you can go boldly into the presence of God. We really have something amazing. So let me just pick average Joe here. If your name's Joe, there's, I hope there's no offense. Joe Bain was in the early service, and he's bald. He said, I didn't like all the hair. He said, I didn't like all the hair. But anyway, let's say average Joe here, just a, a believer, and let's say in a given week, one, one day he falls into sin. How many of you as a believer have ever said to yourself, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to think that, I'm not going to say that, and then you find yourself doing it. Sometimes we, we stumble and we fall into sin. So Joe had one of those days, and then one day during the week he was on a mountaintop. Isn't it crazy how life can take us in a valley? Maybe one day we're on a mountaintop, everything seems to be going well. And by the way, in my opinion, mountaintops are far and few between. I wish life was more on the mountaintop. But he had a mountaintop experience, man, everything was going well, got a bonus check, everything was just going great. And then one day he was battling depression. Isn't it crazy how we can be on a mountain one day and the next day we can be struggling? Have you ever had a day where you just felt the blues? I mean, even though everything might be going okay, you just kind of get discouraged and kind of get down and out. Let me ask you, Joe, who's a believer, whether he's caught in sin, whether he's on the mountain, or whether he's struggling with depression, which day is he in a right-standing relationship with God? All three. Because his relationship with God is not based on his performance. Now, I believe if he's stuck in sin and stays in sin, it will affect his fellowship with God, but it does not affect his relationship. I believe we have a right-standing relationship if we have Christ in our life. And by the way, I said to the other two services, it really helps me if you nod a lot. All right, if you nod a lot, I think you're getting it, and I preach faster. If you look confused, I think I have to go back and say it again, all right? So do a lot of nodding, all right? So again, you have a right-standing relationship regardless of how you think things are going in your life. Isn't that pretty amazing? The blood of Jesus, that sacrifice of Christ, took care 
of the sin problem. And so last week we looked at Jesus teaching the disciples about the Holy Spirit. He said in John 14 to 16, the Holy Spirit would teach us, help us to remember. He would testify of Jesus. He would convict of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And one of the things I said in the first two services, one of my prayers as we're going through the Holy Spirit is that he would convict you that you're righteous. I've been around a while very seldom. I don't even know ever if somebody came down and said, I just got convicted. I have a right standing relationship with God. Matter of fact, somebody stopped me after the middle service and they struggle because how could I receive that I have a right standing relationship when I know I've got things I'm working on? You always will have things you're working on, but God has given you a right standing relationship, not because of your performance, but because of Jesus. He sees you in the spirit. You have a, a right-standing relationship as a believer. Really, really important. The Holy Spirit's going to guide us, going to help us glorify Jesus, and he's going to speak to us. Jesus said he's going to take from me, and he's going to declare it to you. Now, all that's been review, all right? That's review. That's just catching us up to today. You say, why do you review? Because you've got to hear something 10 times before you get it, all right? And so again, a lot of nodding tells me to keep moving fast, all right? So one other thing Jesus said about the Holy Spirit before he left, Luke chapter 24 and also Acts chapter 1, Luke records it in both places. Listen to what Jesus told the disciples. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Isn't it interesting that Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as the promise of the Father? Now, I'm just being honest. If you would ask me, what, what is the ultimate promise of God? I'd say Jesus. I mean, he's the one the prophets talked about, the prophets uh, prophesied about. But I, Jesus said, I didn't say, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's the promise of the Father. Now, I, I was never real good in English. Most of you that are around me know that. But I know that the is the, it's a definite article. Jesus didn't say the Holy Spirit is a promise of the Father. He said he's the promise of the Father. So that got me kind of curious. When did the Father promise that? When was his ultimate promise? You say, well, I thought Jesus was the ultimate promise. And without Jesus, there could be no Holy Spirit. Without Jesus dying, without him taking care of the sin problem, there could be no Holy Spirit. But God had a bigger plan than walking side by side. God wanted to come and live inside of us. His ultimate promise was he wanted to come and take up residence in these earth suits. That is crazy. You say, when did the Father promise that? I'm just giving you my opinion. I don't have time to develop it. And so if you guys disagree, if you have an upset stomach, call me, all right? And we'll talk about it. I believe back in Genesis 12, when God said to Abram, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all families of the earth will be blessed. God said to Abraham, one day through your faith, you're going to be the father of faith. One day through you, all families of the earth are going to be blessed. He was 75 years old. How many of you know God's not done with us? 75 years old. And so in, in Genesis 17, he's 99 years old. And God says to him again, in you, all families of the earth are going to be blessed. And Genesis 22 is when he took Isaac up on the mountain. Maybe he's 115 years old. He takes his son up on the mountain, was literally going to kill him until God said, stop. And then God repeated again in Genesis 22, because you've trusted me and not withheld your son, in you, all families of the earth are going to be blessed. You say, when, when did the blessing come? Well, Jesus said, 
Don't go anywhere until you receive the promise of the Father. Now again, without Jesus, there could be no spirit, but God's ultimate plan was to come and live inside of us. His ultimate plan was to come, take up residence in these earth suits. Without Jesus, that could never happen. And so on the day of Pentecost, the promise was received. The day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down. How many of you think the Holy Spirit looks like Jesus? I want you to get that in your mind. Not the picture. But whenever you think about the Holy Spirit, I want you to think about Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit is, is the Spirit of Christ. So again, if you say you have Jesus, you have the Spirit, it's one and the same thing. All right? You say, I, I need a better connection. I don't know if I can connect the dots that the promise to Abraham and the coming of the Holy Spirit, I'm not sure that's the promise Jesus talked about. You say, do you have one more scripture? Yes, I do. Thanks for asking. Galatians 3. Galatians 3, 13 and 14, Paul says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So he became a curse for us. He took our sin and his body on that tree. Why did he do it? Listen to the next verse. This is really, really important. The next verse says that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive what? The promise of the Spirit through faith. He died. He became a curse. Why? So that we could receive the Spirit of God in our life, that we could receive the promise of the Father. God loves you so much. God wants you to know his heart. He wasn't satisfied walking side by side. No wonder Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I go away, I'm going to send my spirit. And he's going to come and live inside of you. Now, what if, what if I were to say today, the first 10 people at church next Sunday, we're going to give a million dollars to the first 10 people. How many of you would be motivated to be here early? Now, I know you don't need the money. You're humble. You're humble. <laughs> How many of you believe there'd be people camping out next Saturday night? Even if you don't need it, you can do a lot with a million dollars. You can bless a lot of people. Now, the bad news is, as you already know, I don't have a million dollars to give you. You already knew that. That's why you're not excited. But what if I were to tell you that I'm, I'm telling you, I want to give you something worth more than a million dollars. I want to tell you something that's worth far more than riches. Remember Solomon in the book of Proverbs says, For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. Solomon, who had everything in this life, said, I'll tell you what, the wisdom of God is worth more than stuff. The wisdom of God is worth more than all the riches of this world. It says in uh, chapter 16 how much better it is to get wisdom than gold. Solomon said, wisdom is such an incredible, if we could get wisdom from God, it's worth more than money. I wonder how many of us are praying for wisdom. And you say, well, where can we find this wisdom? I want to share with you today where we can find this wisdom. And since we're talking about the Holy Spirit and talking about finding wisdom, how many of you think that the wisdom is going to come through the Holy Spirit? You're already ahead of me. You guys are good. Always not, always not. Whether you get it or not, just not. So 1 Corinthians 2, this is where we're going to finish up. You're going to have to listen quick. We're going to go through the whole chapter. 
make some comments. So Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. He says, I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, not talking about earthly wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. So he says, I owe nothing to human wisdom. Now, can I just be real honest? If you've ever had the chance to teach or preach, we always want to wow people. We always want to say something that somebody's never heard. But Paul said, I owe nothing to human wisdom. I owe zero to human wisdom. But he goes on to talk about another wisdom. So he says, not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul said, I didn't want you to be wild with my speech. I want you to experience the Spirit of God, the power of God. Can I tell you what our world needs is not to come and just see a great show at church. They don't come and need to be impressed by how we can tell a funny story or connect a lot of dots or, or say something. They want to experience God. And can I tell you this? I, as I study the life of Paul, I used to think this guy had to be a dynamic speaker. I mean, he had to be incredible. But how many of you know, when you study the life of Paul, you'll find out he couldn't preach his way out of a wet paper bag. Does that surprise you? That gives me hope. You say, where, where, where did you find that, that Paul wasn't much of a preacher? Paul said, 2 Corinthians 10.10. 10. His letters, they say, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech is contemptible. Listen to how the New Living Translation says that. For someone say Paul's letters are demanding and forceful, but in person he is weak and his speeches are worthless. How many of you have a little hope? I love how the Living Bible, I don't, I don't, I don't study out of the Living Bible, but I do remember. One thing I remember out of the Living Bible, this particular verse, I think the Living Bible says it. He sounds big. His letters sound big, but it's all noise. When he gets here, you'll say you've never heard a worse preacher. Isn't that good? I want to tell you, Paul could have impressed people, but he wanted them to experience God. And I want to tell you what the world's wanting to experience is us not wowing them with our wisdom, but they need to be wowed with the power of God. Paul said they need to experience God. They need to experience the power of God. I didn't come to try to sway you or try to influence you. I wanted you to experience God. I just want to tell you, we all have that same power living in us. We all have that same power. Back to 1 Corinthians 2. He says, however, we speak wisdom. He said, I, we owe nothing to earthly wisdom, but we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. Yet it's not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And then he says something we just sang about. If you remember one of the songs we sang, but as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. Paul says it, the eye has not seen, ear has not heard. It's never entered our heart the things God has. I've heard this verse at a funeral. 
They say, oh, brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, she's seeing things she's never seen. She's hearing things she's never heard. She's understanding things she never understood. Now, I believe that will be true when we get to heaven, but that's not what Paul's talking about. Paul's talking about when the Spirit of God comes to live in believers. You're going to see things through the eyes of the Spirit that you've never been able to see. You're going to hear things from God that you've never, ever been able to hear. You're going to understand things because of the Spirit that you were never able to comprehend by studying books. You say, are you sure that's what he said? Listen to what it goes on to say. I has not seen, ear heard, nor has entered in the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. But God has revealed them to us through what? Through his Spirit. It says, for the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? And so, Ralph, can I pick on you, Ralph, over here? Come on up here for just a minute. He's over here behaving. I think he's taking notes or he's doodling. All right, so come up here just for a minute. I won't keep you long. I love you, man. You're not going to sit on the front anymore. All right, well, let's be back. But and even though I know you some, I know some things about you, where you live, I know some of your pastimes, would you be on, hey, stay focused right here, baby, stay focused. <laughs> would you agree that I don't really know the real Ralph? There's things about you that I do not know, your thoughts, some of the things you've done. Is there a dark side that I do not know? You want me to ask your wife? <laughs> she says yes. All right, I got you stumped. That's okay. But what would happen if, I, if you had a zipper on your back and I could zip down and take your spirit out of you that knows everything about you, your deep, dark secrets, everything you've done, everything you've thought about doing? Would you let your spirit come and live in me for one day so that I could know you intimately? Yes. Yes. You're, hey, you're the first person in my 65 years that said that. Now, I don't think you believe it, but you said it. I want to go on record as saying, I would not give you my spirit, brother. I love you, but I don't want you to know me that well. You know, I like it up here. Yeah, you do like it up here. Well, sit closer more often, man. All right. Now, think about this. Isn't it true we only let people know about us what we want them to know? How many of you know that people don't know everything about us? Because we would never, ever, I would never, as much as I love you guys, I would not let my spirit come and live in you for one day. I wouldn't. The first thing you would say is, wow, I didn't know that about you. Now think about this. God's letting his spirit that knows the deep things of God. The spirit knows the deep things of God. God's allowing his spirit to come and live in us so that we could know the heart of God. He wants you to know him. He wants you to have an intimate relationship. He's given you that opportunity by his spirit coming to live in you. And I have people say, Pastor, don't, don't spend too much time on the Holy Spirit. Let's run to a Bible study. Let's get another commentary. And all those things are good. But until you get to know the spirit of God, you'll never know the heart of God. Because he goes on to say, even so, no one knows the things of God except who? The spirit of God. I want to make a statement. You will never, ever know the heart of God apart from the Spirit. But I also want to say that if you get to know the Holy Spirit, you will get to know the heart of God. Because the Holy Spirit wants to lift up Jesus and glorify Jesus. 
You see why it's so important to teach and help people understand that they have all the connections of heaven. You have all the wisdom of God living inside of you. You have all the power of God living in you as a believer. He says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Why? So that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. God wants you to know it. Doesn't that blow your mind that almighty God, who was always at a distance under the old covenant because of the sin problem, now all of a sudden, because Jesus died, took care of the sin problem, almighty God wants you to know him so intimately, he's allowing his spirit that knows even the deep things about God to come and live inside of you. That's pretty amazing. God wants you to know him. God wants to have an intimate relationship with you. You know, a week or so ago, and I may have shared this, but after one of the early servers, when I said, man, you have as much God as I have, you're as connected to God as I am, somebody after one of the servers said, Pastor, we don't really need you, do we? I said, you still need me, you still need me. I don't know why, but you still need me. But when it dawns on you that you have all the resources of heaven living inside of you, that the power of God lives inside of you, when it dawns on you the ultimate teacher lives inside of you as a believer, you'll get kind of excited. Everywhere you go, you have the Spirit of God inside of you. You have a right standing relationship. All right, let's finish up the chapter. These things we speak, not in words which man wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And then he ends chapter 2 with this verse. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? And he ends chapter 2 by saying, we have the mind of Christ. How could Paul say we have the mind of Christ? Because if you have his spirit, you know what's on his mind. You literally can know the mind of God as you get to know the Holy Spirit. He wants to share what he hears in heaven. That's pretty amazing that God loves us so much that he's willing to come and take up residence in these earth suits. Because my earth suit is wearing out. My soul is a work in progress. But he still wants to come. And every day you live as a believer, you have a right standing relationship with God. Whether you have a good day or a bad day, you still have access to heaven. God wants you to come boldly into his presence because, again, your relationship with God is not based on your performance. It's based on what Christ did for us. Now, last week we ended, want to end kind of here as well, in John chapter 7, Jesus, on the, on the, he was at the Feast of Tabernacles. He was in Jerusalem the last day of the feast, which one of the things they did was have the water pouring ceremony we talked about last week. The high priest would go down and get a pitcher of water out of the pool of Siloam. He would come back up, and man, they were celebrating thousands of people in the temple. And as they poured out that water, they were saying to God, thank you for the water that provided the harvest. But they were also pouring out that water saying, God, we need future water. God, we're praising you in advance for the water you're going to provide. And it was at the feast, the last day of the feast, where Jesus stood and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink, and out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Jesus knew that God was going to give a river of life that was more satisfying than physical water. He knew God was going to pour out his spirit and provide the ultimate life of God. 
out of our innermost being, out of our spirit, into our soul, out the earth suit would flow rivers of living water. Here's what I pray happens as we study the Holy Spirit. The Spirit who lives in us, we would allow Him to saturate our soul, our mind, our emotions, would come out of our earth suit. And everywhere we go, that river of life would just produce life. Through what we say, what we do, that river of life, people are hungry and thirsty for God. They're tired of being invited to church and being counting heads, counting nickels. People want to experience the life of God. And it's within you as a believer. I love when Jesus said, he who believes in me. It's for every believer. Out of our innermost being will flow rivers of living water. I like how the Amplified Bible says it. From his innermost being will flow continually rivers of living water. If you all were coming to, to church today and you saw me down at the Burbis River pushing the river downstream, uh, uh, how many of you would stop and come down and help me push the river? How many of you would think I'm a half bubble off and drunk? Obviously, you don't have to push a river. Now, if you saw me trying to stop the river, equally dumb. Can I tell you about a river? It just flows. It's a continual flow. It, you don't have to push the Spirit. God wants to flow through your life. If you have to get up every day and say, man, I got to be a Christian. I got to act like a Christian. I got to be nice in traffic. I got to, you know, it should flow. The more you walk in the Spirit, it becomes natural that the Spirit of God begins to flow in your life. I want us to get to a place where it's just flowing out of our life and we're just allowing it to flow. We don't have to push it. We can't stop it. We just want the Spirit to flow. I've been singing a, a new, I have a new favorite song this week. Seems like every week I got a new favorite song. Somebody told me about this song. I can't remember who it was, so if it's somebody here, let me know, or somebody who's listening by stream. But it's a song called Fill My Cup. Now, there's a, there's a song called Fill My Cup, but this one's by Andrew Rip, or Ripe, Rip, Ripe. But last night, I, I've been listening to this all week. Pitiful. Last night, as I was going over every final detail, going, you know, tweaking this, tweaking that, I had my, my headphones, my earbuds in, and I was listening to this song, and I had it on auto reverse. I heard over and over and over. Drives Brenda crazy. That's why I had my earphones on. Now, she can't communicate to me because I'm in my own world in there with my, my earbuds on. But I listen to it over and over and over. It's become my new favorite song. I called David. I said, hey, have you ever heard this song? David said, I have never heard that song. So if our music guy hasn't heard of it, I feel better. But here's part of the lyrics. Fill my cup. This is my prayer that we're not just going through studying the Holy Spirit and walking out the scene. But my prayer is when we get through this, that literally that river of life is flowing every day. That we're ministering God everywhere we go. I love how the lyrics say, been walking to a city I cannot see. I think about the, the people in Hebrews 11. They had their eyes on a city that they could not see in the flesh. Been walking to a city I cannot see through the depths of the valley where the sun can't reach. Have you ever been down where you just don't see any daylight at the end of the tunnel? And then he goes on to say, I've been high, I've been low. I've been looking for the river that could fill my soul. Been walking to a city I cannot see. And then the chorus is a beautiful prayer. 
beautiful prayer. Let's say it together. This is the chorus. Would you just, let's just be a prayer to God. Would you read it with me? Fill my cup, Lord. Run it over. Give me love. Give me joy. Give me peace. Fill my cup, Lord. Run it over. I am your child in need. Lord, I need you. And then one of the other verses, this isn't the whole song. Goodness, grace, and provision, Lord, I need you to fill my cup. And when I get to that city that I cannot see, I'll know that even this valley was a golden stream. One day on the other side, we're going to realize we had all the resources of heaven every single day. And then he closes with the chorus again. And i like for us to, again, let's just make this be our prayer to God. Let's say it together. Fill my cup, Lord, run it over. Give me love, give me joy, give me peace. Fill my cup, Lord, run it over. I am your child in need. I need you. I just pray the river of life would flow. I want to close, and I, I, I probably talk about the Wizard of Oz two or three times, but pretend like it's new, all right? But the, the movie Wizard of Oz, and I know it's not a Bible movie, but I, I like it. I don't know why. They, they're all looking for something. I don't get why Dorothy was wanting to go back to Kansas. I don't get that. But anyway, if you're from Kansas, it wasn't the part where you lived, I'm sure. But anyway, everybody in the movie, the Wizard of Oz, they went through the whole movie searching and searching and searching for something in their life that was missing. And when they get down to the end, it's kind of disappointing when the wizard finally says to all four of them, everything you've been looking for, you already possessed. You already had it. When we get to heaven and look back, we're going to realize that everything we were searching for in life for peace and purpose and happiness, we already had in the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you, everything you've ever wanted for purpose in life, all the resources of heaven are already yours as a believer. Why would we not want to tap into that? Why would we not want that river to flow and just minister life everywhere we go? That's my prayer. I don't want to just talk about it on Sunday and sing about it. I just want the river to begin to flow. The world is thirsty. The world doesn't want to be at it and just be counted as another head or another dollar at church. But people are waiting to experience the life of God. And you have it within you. You have all the power. You have all the, the resources of heaven available in the Holy Spirit. Let's tap in. Even though, again, our souls are work in progress, earth suits wearing out, the power of God never wears out. Let's pray. If you're able to, just, let's just stand together. I'm going to ask Austin to come down front. I don't know, I think Jim is not here for this service. Next Sunday, uh, first service at the Pacific Campus. I appreciate Austin, Jim, your... They've done a tremendous amount of work just getting everything together. It's absolutely beautiful. But I know their heart and their passion is just not to open another building and provide another place where people can come and go through the motions. The people in Pacific need to experience God. And so we want to pray that that river of life would flow through everything they do, that that campus in Pacific would literally be an oasis for people who need Jesus. 
So I'm going to ask a few of you guys to come and just get behind Austin here. We want to pray for him. And if there's anybody else here this morning that's kind of committed to be a part of the campus, I don't know if there's anybody here. If you want to come up, you are welcome to come up as well. I know there's a, a group coming. I want us to remember the Kibben family. Let's join together and pray for Kevin and Kelly as they're making really life decisions and really important medical decisions. Pray for wisdom. But I want to pray for you guys, my church family. I hope it dawns on you this week how much God loves you and how much God wants to know you in an intimate way. It literally will change your life when you realize how much he wants to have an intimate relationship with you. So let's pray for the Pacific campus. Let's pray for the Kibbins. And let's just lift each other up. Father, I thank you for my church family. God, I pray that not one of us here would leave without Jesus. If there's one person here today that's just never really truly accepted you into their life, that today they would do that. They would acknowledge that Jesus died for their sin, ask you to forgive them and, and to come into their life. I pray for each of your children, my brothers and sisters. God, I pray everywhere we go, we would just be saturated with that river of living water and it would just begin to flow out of our earth suit. I pray for the Pacific campus, God, anoint them. I just pray that God, you would just do something great and mighty with this campus. That God, it truly would be an oasis in a community that they could experience your life. Pray for Kevin, Kelly. God, I just pray in times of darkness and times of pain that your strength would be made perfect. We pray for continued wisdom in every decision that they have to make moving forward. And Father, I pray they would experience your unconditional love. So fill us, empower us as we head out into the mission field. Help us to make a difference everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, amen. On the way out, if you guys feel led to give something to the Kibbins, there'll be a wooden box back there. And we're also going to have it next week as well. But don't feel any obligation. Love you guys. Great to see you today.